It's the SaaS Brand Strategy Show. We are back on another week with my esteemed co-hosts, Mike Geraci, Dustin Robertson. I am Ryan Copperud. Mike Dustin, good afternoon. How are you? Excellent. Good are afternoon. You? Good afternoon. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, we are not just a group of three today, though. We are a group of four. We've got a very special guest on Bridget Quinlan. Bridget, good afternoon to you as well. Thanks for coming on the show. Good afternoon. Happy to be here. Awesome. Uh, Bridget is on today. Uh, well, we have a we have a good conversation at hand here. So it's um, a topic that we wanted to bring up because it's a question we get a lot at DRMG with our clients, and it's a thing that we see a lot. Um, there is a bridge, an effort, taking a strategy and making it real, right? It's just an idea until it's no longer an idea. And a lot of folks who, uh, who go from a brand strategy, they take, they take this idea, they go, now what? Now what do I do with the idea? And Bridget, uh, as, as a CRO, you are the CRO at PFL, a former DRMG client. Um, you have vast experience in answering the question, now what? And so that's why we wanted to have you on today was to dispel um, some of your wisdom to us and to folks there. listening. Oh, yeah, we got you. We got you. Did we lose you? Are you back? <laughs> I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, yes. we got you. We got you. <sighs> okay. You know, it's always like the perfect moment when <laughs> your connection seems to get a little dodgy, but I'm here. Yes, okay. I can see you. Thank cool. you. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, so, so we want to have you, we want to have you have a conversation with us about the now what, um, Mike, you know, you framed it, um, really well, just a second ago off air. Um, will you just kind of restate the way that you, you said what I was just saying about kind of taking that thing and making it real? Yeah. So we've had, we deliver our final piece of strategy to the client, and we've had this happen uh, last week, um, is often the response is, wait, but now what? Because I need to sell, I need something to sell now. And I need, you know, I got it, my salespeople in the, in the field, they're going to this event, they're going to that event, I've got this meeting, like, how do I sell this? Like, wh now what do I do with this stuff? And the, the strategy work that we do is, is a long-term foundational business strategy. And the actual go-to-market action pulls from that, but they, they miss the piece that Bridget brings to the table for PFL, which is like, I understand strategy. I understand tactics. As a CRO, I'm the person that's going to take this strategy and translate it into um, action plans, timelines, budgets, all this other stuff. So the, the, the whole motion that exists. A lot of people in our world at the early stage they're operating in, they're missing that capability and that expertise. So it's that whole of like, I need something to sell now. Once we deliver it, and as, the, as you said, Ryan, now what? And Bridget understands the now what? And just to build on what you just said as well, Mike, I think, I think a piece of it as well is with a strategic goal, you're setting kind of an endpoint and that endpoint is often partially aspirational. And so sometimes people have a, a difficult time going from where we are now to this aspirational forward future, future place. It's like, what is that first step? You know, if you're standing at the bottom of a mountain, it's like, yikes, what trail am I taking up here? And so I think that first step is also often what um, starts to paralyze some teams is, oh boy, that's a big hill. 
how do I start climbing it? Um, yeah, just I'm going to add to that as well, as we've seen this a lot when the the say, VP of sales or the, the sales leader is brought in, like, and, and the, the strategy that is introduced to them, they kind of get cross-eyed to like, how do I sell this? Like, I, how do I use this? Like, what do I do with this? Like, there's questions because it's not something that they've done before um, to have a strategy delivered like that to them. Totally. So, uh, so Bridget, you know, if, if I can, you know, you've done this at multiple companies now, um, you know, with, with how, how, how do you answer the question now, what, which I know is a gigantic, a gigantic question. Um, mm -hmm. but how do you, how do you answer the question now? What, what is that first step or, or, or what are some of those first steps? How would you frame some of this for us? Before I get into the now what, or what's the first step or what's the roadmap, I think it's really important whether you're a CMO or a CRO or the CEO um, who's spearheaded this category work to make sure there's a really good understanding of what a category is and how it functions within the company. Hmm. So people will say, oh, I know what category is. It's a brand strategy, right? Um, and then your brand team might think like, yeah, a category, it's totally a brand strategy. Um, you know, your CEO might be thinking like, this is, this is our vision. Um, you know, this, this is our corporate strategy. It's our business strategy. Your sales leaders are just thinking, I'm not really sure I care what it is. I just want to know how it's going to help me sign more deals. So the way that I've positioned category um, in my experience is I've either described it as a business strategy or a corporate strategy. And you have to explain how it kind of functions across the organization, right? So when your category is considered, let's say it's the umbrella um, under which decisions are made and everything else is positioned. So your category is not your brand strategy, but it certainly informs your brand strategy. Um, and your category um, isn't a, your product marketing strategy, but it needs to cascade from your brand messaging to your product positioning. But then I would say it's even broader than that. Um, we have conversations, we have conversations a lot at the leadership level, but our category is hybrid experience. And so our conversations are even centered around as we build out our product roadmap, um, does this align with hybrid experience and, and what our vision is for this company? So to me, it's um it, it's not just a a, a something that you drop into an organization and you say like, here's the category, now let's figure it out. You have to really make sure people understand how it's relevant to them across the organization. Then you can get into tactical um, and have those conversations with those different teams. And I can sort of get into the way, the framework that I use to, um, to cascade that through the org and to do so as quickly and efficiently as possible. Yeah, I think that uh, that alignment that you're talking about is crucial. And I actually think, you know, to to some of the setup that Mike and I were just talking about, I also think you just highlighted something perfectly, Bridget, around why it also feels so overwhelming to people is because it does impact so many different departments and the mm -hmm. goals and strategic visions of so many different departments. I do think that's also partially where some of that fear and paralysis comes from teams is they're like, oh, boy we all have something different to do with this one thing. How do, how do I, me, digest this for my team and my department and my things and make sure that it still kind of goes back to that central tent mm -hmm. for the whole business as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it's crucial. And I also think that's part of what mm -hmm. kind of contributes maybe to some of that, that fear mm -hmm. or that, that paralysis. Yeah, I mean, it can be fear or paralysis or you can flip that 
and say, if we as a leadership team are all aligning around one truth, and that truth is the category, it makes it a lot easier to make decisions about what that means for everyone's org because it's through the lens of that, as yeah. opposed to, um, you know, I've been at organizations where the CTO has, has a vision um, and it's very technology focused and the CMO has a vision um, and it feels very aspirational. And, you know, the sales leader might think about things differently based on what they understand of what's working in that moment in the market. So I would say it actually unifies. Um, and in that sense, you can communicate it from the perspective of like, this actually makes it easier because uh, this is the one truth we can all go back to. Yeah, I dig that. So when you have that, that one truth, you know, and, and you are tasked with, you know, as, as the person who owns the revenue number inside of the business, <laughs> Where does that cascade start in terms of how that starts to work its way, its, its, yep. its tendrils into the business for you? Mm -hmm. I, would say, I would say it starts based on your highest priority. So I'll speak in the context of PFL. Um, I joined the company, I think it's probably exactly a year ago at this point. And um, five weeks later, we had a revenue kickoff meeting and brought everybody together. And so our priority at that point was new logo sales. Um, and it was, it was revenue. And so we started there. And so um, when you're talking about your, your sales deck and what you're pitching, now you're starting also to ask questions about your product offerings. Um, so us, for us specifically, we had a handful or more separate product offerings they all had different use cases and sometimes they had overlapping use cases and they were relevant for different verticals and different people. And so by looking at everything through the, through the category lens, we were able to actually simplify our go-to-market offerings um, around those products. Again, putting everything through that sort of that single truth, if you will. And so- is that, Bridget, on the single truth, is it yeah. anchored in the problem you're solving? Is that kind of the, what the mm -hmm. lens, everything gets put through? I mean, hybrid experience is the yeah. solution, but that single mm -hmm. truth is, the, is it the problem? Well, I would say, I mean, however you arrive at your category, I mean, I think it's, it's kind of a different process for every company. Um, but I do think there are some like kind of guiding principles that make sense for everybody as they're looking at category. So for us and for most of us, category um, is a way to, to take yourself out of the uh, comparison of like features and functions and, and pricing and all of that and to sort of recast the conversation. Now that conversation needs to be recast in a way where you have a, either a unique offering or a unique perspective on the value that you can deliver. Um, I also think that what you bring to market um, needs to be defensible. Like you need to be able to defend your position in that category and the unique value that you bring. And so is it the problem that you're solving? I would say yes, but I would say it's also the problem that you're solving in a very unique way um, that you can build a story around that and defend it. And then when others come into that story, you've basically established it's your story or it's your game, right? You're not trying to insert yourself into another game and try to eke out some differentiation or, you know, a message that's yours, like you define the rules of the game. And as others come into it, they're just catching up. But I love that. Just that the whole, the way you talk about it as a single source of truth, and it's the filter from which everything goes through. We talk about this a lot from product 
uh, your to your point of sales, focusing the sales team, like this is what we're going to sell because like these are the actual products we're going to be focusing on because that's what delivers on hybrid experience. Mm-hmm. And on a product team, it's like, oh, so this is the aspirational. Hybrid experience is aspirational. And for us to achieve that, this is what that looks like. And so this becomes our product roadmap. And we've had a couple of clients that once we laid this out for them, they're like, oh, that's going to totally change our roadmap. Not only that, it's going to change like who we hire to, to address that. Yeah, and I mean, when you, for us, hybrid experience is a category, but it also, we've done a lot, I mean, we've done a lot of thinking. We've been with this for a year. And um, as we have conversations about our vision and our mission, you know, at first we started saying, well, our vision is to deliver a hybrid experience in a way that adds this value. Then we actually took a step back from it and we said, we took hybrid experience out of our vision. Like what is the essence of what we're trying to do? And it's that we're trying to bring authenticity to brands um, and in, in a landscape where digital can feel very fatiguing, um, not personalized, disingenuous, sterile. So bringing that authenticity back is what we do. So, I mean, I know we're getting a little bit off topic around the sales deck, but um, it, you know, it, it really informed our vision and helped us like really distill the essence of that. Like what exactly are we trying to do? Then as we look at products and we say, you know, does this product allow us to bring more authenticity um, to what brands are delivering and how they're engaging prospects and customers and even employees, or does it not? And if it doesn't, like, let's have a conversation about that and what that looks like in our kind of our product strategy and our go-to-market. That's a really uh, interesting topic that we do get asked occasionally is like, how does the mission vision values interact mm-hmm. with the category? Yeah. And that's a good way because we we basically tell them it's, it's a separate exercise and it's above the category. And it's more internal. It's about why mm-hmm. people want to be at the company. Um, but that's a... That's interesting that you guys figured out a way to connect them. Because I would agree, you do not have the category language in your mission, vision, values work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can use it as a sort of a, a data point to, to inform it. I mean, if we're a technology company and we're building products, we're all really passionate about what we're doing, which then also translates to sort of who are we at, as a company, what kind of people are we and what inspires us. Um, so I, you know, I, like I said, it doesn't become your vision and mission, but I, I, I do think it can help inform it. And just to kind of circle back, so for priority one for us was, you know, we want to we want to focus on revenue, but we also had the kind of the luxury of looking at category um, and our brand messaging as well, sort of concurrently. And so those were two parallel work streams that that we went through. Um, and we rolled them out at about the same time. And so when I say brand messaging, um, I'm not thinking mission, vision, I'm thinking what's on your homepage that describes who you are as a business um, that acts as a kind of a unifier around the collection of things that you take to market. And so a lot of that messaging is very, very focused on hybrid experience, but independent of our products, um, really more from more of what I would call like a thought leadership perspective. I mean, having a point of view on the market that again, that either cascaded or worked in tandem with the way hybrid experience was expressed through our product positioning. Yeah, when we go to your website, we see the the point of view and the superpowers your customers are seeking like very clearly laid out. 
And it mm-hmm. doesn't have anything to do about the product because nobody cares about your product. Right? So why would you yeah. put things about your product on the yeah. page? Just talk about the outcome. Right. So yeah, they, they you guys do about, a good job of that. Yeah. I mean, we, our MarTech stack is, um, I mean, we, so many different products. And um, I mean, ultimately I, I care about a product because it enables or it facilitates me to, to be able to do something in my job or in my role. I, I care less about sort of how it's built and what's in it and the features and functions, more the value that I get from it. So I, I am curious if you saw, mm-hmm. and I know you're still building the sales team, so maybe you haven't had enough sets and reps here, but yeah. once you had the category story arc dialed, mm-hmm. you know, and kind yes. of like big change in the world and winners and losers, and this is how it's solved without us. And, mm-hmm. and you got the sales team to start doing it the new way versus whatever they were doing before, which was probably a features demo. Yes. Um, did you see a difference in how the customers would ask questions or follow up with the new way? And were you able to convince the sales team that it's better or were they like, eh? Yeah. You know, it's interesting when, when I joined PFL, everybody was ready for a change. Um, and that's not always the case. So that made my job a little bit easier, but when we, um, so we create this new sales deck, um, again, we start with the category, we talk about solutions, it, it sort of cascades down to a level of detail that's appropriate for, say, your, for your intro call. And um, between Nick Runyon and myself, we sat in on countless calls, um, sometimes delivered the pitch, sometimes listened to our AEs delivering the pitch. And, you know, I really like to pick up on the subtle cues. Um, you know, as you're, as you're walking through your story and you're painting a picture of your market um, and what it's like and what the challenges are and how maybe it's really difficult. Um, and then you start to, to, to weave in what is a category and why is it important to think about that? And, and, and oh, by the way, here's how we see that category um, and how it, uh, how it sort of manifests itself in, in, in what our customers make use of. So as we're going through these, so first I'll talk about the, the reaction of those who were hearing the message, and then I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the reaction of the sales team. Um, you know, we got a lot of, this really resonates with me. Um, so we're talking to marketers, which I love being a, a marketer who talks to marketers, but, you know, this, um, marketers also want to be inspired, right? Like this really resonates with me, um, but you could, you could also sense the energy that they felt from leveraging um, a hybrid experience, you know, as a, as a strategy in their practice to better engage their prospects and customers. Um, you know, it, it just, you can see their, their faces light up. And again, like hearing things like this really resonates with me. This is really interesting. Um, I love the idea of this, you know, how do you do this? And so almost immediately the reaction um, was positive. And, and that's fantastic because I've also been in sales pitches where the recipients look at you like, I'm not sure I understand what you're talking about. Um, on the sales side, we, because our sales motion before was very product-based, um, it was really hard for them, right? Like I, I need to under, sort of understand what this person wants to do and I don't really know them. And then I've got to look across, you know, these five or six or 10 or 15 different use cases and figure out how to match those two together. They were really... I think they were really encouraged um, and relieved when we said to them, this is a really good way to engage in that first touch point. Um, it's going to make your job easier. We actually rolled out the sales deck. Everybody certified on it. They practiced it. Um, they practiced it in huddles. 
And, um, and then we made some tweaks to it as we went. And then from there, we cascaded that to the solution pitch, the business case, but always kind of carrying hybrid experience through, again, as that single truth. Um, you know, even when we're, our you know, sales engineers are giving like product demos, um, you know, uh, Brent, who's one of our top sellers was like, and this is how you deliver the hybrid experience. And I was like, wow, this is remarkable to see such a positive reaction among a sales team, right? Like marketing and sales often are at odds with one another. Marketing wants to tell this kind of neat, pristine story. And your AEs are like, I, I need to sell this. And like, how can we find some middle ground here? Um, so to see that happen with something like category, which feels lofty, but to make it really tangible and effective, um, for me, that was, um, was really rewarding. Does some of that skepticism go away when, uh, when that resonance with the customer happens? When does the skepticism of a sales team go away or, or mm -hmm. any of the departments that might maybe weren't in the process of creating the brand strategy and they're going, okay, this is a shift in my brain in general. Like is what removes that skepticism in your experience? Mm -hmm. Is it, is it seeing it resonate? Is it, you got to click that first sale and then it's like, okay, mm -hmm. here we go. I think it's a confluence of things. There's that like sort of immediate gratification. Like I just had an intro pitch and I nailed it. Um, and they asked for another meeting. Like, I think you build energy when you have those, those like sort of quick wins along the way. And then I, you know, I think as time went on, um, our AEs were starting to see like, wow, it's really interesting. Um, you know, I'm delivering, I, I, I trusted, you know, leadership and, and I'm going to go and I'm going to deliver this intro pitch. Um, and then the next step is to, you know, build out the business case. And I think as they were seeing momentum and deals were moving uh, quicker or more effectively, or they were getting more, you know, much sure, let's talk again. Um, you know, I, I think that's what helped build more confidence. But we also, we run a revenue org. We don't have a marketing team. Um, we have we have teams in revenue that have um, like kind of a an area of expertise that you might call like marketing, like we have product marketers, um, for example. But you know, I I think um, I think what's also really important, and this is a little bit more organizational and maybe not category specific, is that our marketing people and our AEs are joined at the hip. And so we brought them into the conversation. Um, our head of product marketing sits in on all their huddles. She does their certification. She does their training. Um, she answers questions. She helps with battle cards. When they, when they need help, they go to her. Like, there's a lot of trust there, but she's very open when they say, you know, this, this part of the pitch just isn't really working. It's kind of falling flat. Like, what can we do to make this better? So that collaboration, I think, is really key getting the voice of sales um, into that messaging, but also having respect for the person in that marketing, product marketing position um, to have some authority as well. Yeah, I think that's a super interesting point because we talk about with our clients, like, look, we're gonna, we're gonna deliver this strategy to you, <clears throat> but it's, it's a living document. So when you try to activate mm -hmm. it across the organization, there's going to be there's going to be feedback coming from the different departments and different people as they start to work with it. And they're going to find the things that really gain traction and really work for them. And they're going to find things that don't that that don't work, that just are just complete record scratches. And 
So you have to be open to this idea like, yes, this is the strategy, but there are some things in here that we're going to have to fine tune going forward. And again, organizationally, you have to you have to set people up in order to be able to be agile, right? A lot of marketing teams are organized in a way where it's like, on this state, we're going to deliver the sales deck. Here you go. And then, you know, then we're going to go do some thought leadership. And then you can give us some feedback on the sales deck and we'll make those edits in two months. But so, you know, having that like real-time collaboration, um, hands-on every day, you know, involving that message together is so much more uh, effective uh, and also just a much better use of everyone's time. Yeah, I dig that. Highlighting the importance of product marketers or, or that bridge, <laughs> those bridge folks in general, I think is big and nothing that we have talked about on the show before and, and mm-hmm. talk about frequently. Yeah. Um, another thing I'm kind of curious about, you know, you, you have a revenue org, so maybe not traditionally a content marketing team per se, but you know, when you do approach kind of how that message starts to go out beyond that initial conversation with sales, yeah. can you talk a little bit more about, about content, about, you know, how you kind of change your presence, um, online. I mean, you mentioned the homepage thing, which I think is huge. I was thinking about that as probably, probably maybe if you're talking about first steps, maybe one of the first steps to answer the question of now what, but yeah, I guess just around content and content marketing in general, can you talk about maybe a little bit how you think about that or approach changing how you talk about these things? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) If you said to me, describe yourself in one word, I would say writer. Um, I'm a writer. And so I, um, I get um, content marketing. I mean, it's just, it's so vague. I mean, it really, what does it mean? Um, and I am not being critical of you using it. We all use it, but no, yeah. I, I think, yeah. So I, I can, again, I can talk like philosophically, but I'd rather be tactical when we, um, when we finalized our category messaging, um, working with these guys here, I, um, we then immediately, or even sort of in tandem towards the end of that process, started creating a core messaging. And so your core messaging essentially becomes your, your messaging blueprint. It's not your content, it's your messaging, right? And so that's where you start to show how your category message gets infused sort of into your brand story, into your product story, into, um, your QBR decks, right? So that, Core messaging is everything from, you know, hybrid experience. This, what is hybrid experience? Here's what it is. Um, what's the industry backdrop? We write a couple pages of a narrative around that. Like, here's what's going on in the industry. What's a day in the life of our target audience? Like, they wake up in the morning, they go to work. What are they thinking about? We really try to make it very tangible um, in terms of the value that the category brings in the broader landscape um, and as it pertains to our target audience. And then from there, we get more specific. Like, what does this mean if we have a platform? Um, how does the category work with our platform messaging and our solution messaging and what's our, you know, our USP and what are the features? And then it just gets more and more and more specific. It ends up being, Dustin knows, cause he's seen a few of these that I've created. It, I mean, it could be like 30 pages. You're like, wow, it's a lot of effort on something that's not market facing, but it will save you months, years <laughs> downstream because then you say like, this is our core messaging, review it, whoever you need to kind of buy in and approve, speak now or forever, hold your peace. We're not updating it again for six or nine months. 
So then from there, you take that and then you start to look at your, your content marketing strategy. So at your brand or upper funnel level, like you want your message to be um, not about your products. You want it to be about the industry, about leadership focused, um, a different, interesting point of view. I really loved working with Dustin and Mike um, and they brought up this, this kind of idea of um, attention economy. And uh, we we're like, wow, like what a really interesting topic for thought leadership. So, um, so that's where that, that core messaging flows into your thought leadership, your blogs, your social, your website copy. Um, here's how it flows to your sales pitch, to your, uh, your product collateral and, and so on and so forth. And so that's always the approach I take um, as it relates to content marketing is like, let's get it all in one place and then figure out how we can make use of different parts of this messaging for different types of content for different audiences. Super timely because we've been delivering that. So our deliverable is that core messaging, um, but still people don't know what to do with it. And so yeah. we, we, we've just recently been like, I think we need to add like some sample pieces. Like here's a nurture mm -hmm. sequence based on this theme. Here's a blog post based on this theme. Here's yeah. a, you know, you could do a webinar with this and just to show them like, this is, that's what it is, right? It's a Hey, I need yeah. an idea to go do that, you know, mm -hmm. to go pay off the category. Okay. Which mm -hmm. one of these do I want to focus on? And then there's that paragraph that says, this is how you talk about it. And then you go yeah. off and do it. It seems straightforward to us, but it's wildly confusing mm -hmm. to I the mean, world out there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, you know, honestly, I, at first I was surprised, like, oh, that's confusing. But I actually think about like using core messaging. I was at uh, Rockton Advertising and I, I created this core, core message and kind of high level like deck. So it wasn't the 30 pages of, of internal use only, but market approved copy. And, you know, I just pulled the highlights into a deck and, and you know, said, okay, so this is kind of how we're going to message. And, um, and, and, you know, it was a leadership call and people were like, that's our new deck. And I'm like, no, 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 no this is internal. Like these are our, this is, this is our messaging and positioning and this is going to inform our sales deck. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I create a very long form core messaging and we actually do a training on it where we say, we walk through it, what's in it. And we say, so for example, um, if Tim, our VP of brand is writing a piece on hybrid experience, um, in a, you know, in a, in a post COVID world, um, this is where, you know, Tim could draw from in the core messaging and build off of this theme. Um, if you're sending an email, like there's some, and they say, like, what exactly do you do? You can use this section. So I think, um, I think you just can't throw it over the fence. You have to explain to people how they can use it. Yeah, I think. And so, cause you have the agency background, Bridget, I have the agency background. There's an understanding of how these tools are used um, in a creative um, I don't even know what you want to call it, but some things that we've done that have been super helpful is, okay, here's a message platform, you know, a theme with the description, like take an hour and come back on 50 possible articles that you could write that's yeah. associated with this and just really force people to go to dig deep and like to, because normally they're just the, the surface stuff will be gone in like three or four 
you know, the first three or four are going to come really easy. But then if mm-hmm. you're like, I want to see 50, then it's like, holy cow, I got to dig really deep. And that's when the good ideas start to come up. And most mm-hmm. people don't understand, like, this is what this is supposed to be used for. And it's not like, I'm not going to tell yeah. you what to write. Like, I need you, I'm giving you permission to stretch your wings and like, show me some creativity out mm-hmm. of this. Yeah. I think the benefit of having um, our VP of brand and our head of product marketing um, we all work together to create that core messaging. So it becomes much more obvious to them how, how to utilize it across the team. Um, but it's, it's funny. I mean, it's become such a, such a staple in, in our messaging that sometimes a new marketer will join and someone will be like, he didn't use the core messaging. Like, <laughs> well, and you know, what, what we try to, when we rolled out the category um, and that, you know, that single truth, um, I did this like silly thing and maybe at some point I, I won't do it anymore, but, everybody stand up and I say like on the count of three, one, two, three, yell your name. And so everybody does that. And I'll say like, so from my perspective, what do you think that sounded like? Noise, chaos. I was like, I don't actually think I heard any one name come through distinctly, but if we all stand up and say the same thing, it's loud, it's clear, it's concise, it's consistent, and it doesn't create confusion in the market. And the core messaging is just kind of a double click on that. Yeah. I, I think there's, there's maybe even a parallel between in the way that you kind of said this brand strategy is a lens through which the departments can execute their work against. It's like this core messaging piece is a lens through which creators inside of the business writers can look Mm -hmm. at their work and say, am I doing this right? Is this aligned to the thing that we are all aligned to? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and your sales teams um, and your leadership team and your customer success org. So again, it's when I think about category and creating that sort of messaging blueprint and that kind of consistency it, it's it's not just marketing like carrying the the torch here everybody rolls up to that and then that becomes that much more powerful for you as a business in the market yeah that's super well said you know there is one other thing so um as a revenue leader I, so there's a perspective of the sales team and like well wow, this is great where there's momentum and it's effective and it's not confusing and marketers dig this um you know we we can look at leading indicator kpis before you know pre-category and post right so ultimately we're driving revenue but i don't know how long your sales cycle is um it's b2b SaaS, chances are it's three six nine twelve twenty four months somewhere in between so you know we started looking at how deals were moving through the funnel um from one stage to the next how they were progressing was it were we taking fewer days to advance deals through the funnel, um, time to close uh, average deal size, right? So getting getting really much more focused about what we were selling uh, last year actually helped us drive higher ACV um, and we you know reduced our time to close. So there are there's always a way with data, like my opinion is great, but if I can show it in the data and say, like, since we introduced the category, you know, things are moving quicker through the funnel. Um, we're getting more engagement on our website. Uh, we did this press release and these social social shares and, you know, our engagement on these was 4X anything else we've ever done before. So I'm always a really strong advocate of, like, show the proof of the, the improvement and the performance um, you can't really argue with that. Well, you can actually argue with data, but that's probably a topic for a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> My data versus your data. 
That's good. That's good. Uh, Mike, Dustin, what do we miss? Nothing, no, this but there's is great. Lots of little nuggets. We could probably circle back and do some episodes on a few of these. Totally. I think the mission, vision, values thing and category is uh, worth of a conversation. Yeah, a revisit mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, yeah, this has been great, Bridget. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for uh, just for dispelling your experience and, and really getting in into the weeds of that stuff with, mm-hmm. with folks. Because I do think that's getting into the weeds is, is the hard part and seeing someone who's yeah. done it and who's done it successfully and has achieved measurable data on the improvements that the business has seen because of getting into the weeds and actually uh, mm-hmm. taking that idea into a strategy, answering the question, now what is, is really huge. So, so yeah. thank you for all that. So is there uh, something we should have asked you that we didn't, is there like a, <laughs> Am I holding? Huh? <laughs> ah, yeah. Scott, one more. Good, good, good. Well, I mean, I honestly, I think we could probably talk for multiple hours about this and then I'd miss my flight. But um, <laughs> so I was actually going to politely interrupt you and say, so like my parting advice, like yes. it can feel incredibly overwhelming. I mean, um, when you think about how far reaching um, a category can be, and um, all the different areas that need to sort of change or adjust. But here's my advice, like don't, don't go you know, into a conference room, which I guess none of us do anymore, um, and, and say like, what's the master plan, right? Like it's a 5,000 line you know, smart sheet that tells us how category is going to be woven into every piece of our business. And then we're gonna, then we're gonna just start building it and then we're gonna roll it out all at once. Like you've, you've got to find, you may do things completely out of order. We rolled out the sales deck, did a light update on the website, and then actually just did our press release around the category. I don't know when that was, Dustin. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, but just like a couple of months, like, like a month and a half ago. I mean, yeah. 10 months after we launched the category. So, you know, don't feel like you have to have all the pieces together to launch it. Don't feel like there has to be an order. Just think about, you know, sort of the impact of like, if I roll it out to sales first and it's not on the website, is that going to cause confusion? And then I would say, you've got to show value immediately. So I would focus first on what you think is going to help build momentum um, and consensus across the org that this is a good decision and it's having an impact on our business. And that's where you start and you deliver that. And then you iterate on that and then you deliver the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So show incremental value as you go. Rapid fire, like sort of this, you know, approach of execution that where you have like rapid deployment um, in terms of your deliverables so that you can show that value immediately. So that was my parting advice. I could probably talk on other topics around this and I'd love to do that again at some point, but is there anything else you think would be helpful to hear or should we wrap I up? think that's great. I think that that parting advice is a phenomenal reminder that um, if you're if you're changing um, or, or you're, you are representing your DNA to the market, you can't do that all in a month or whatever it might be. Like there are going to be things that are going to take time and effort and thought and iteration to, to accomplish. So I think it is a good reminder that the, the first step is maybe to just take a step and then take another one and then take another one. Mm-hmm. Um, not to, not to get into platitudes or, or anything like that, but I do think it is, is it is part of it is, is you just have to start moving and, and it will kind yep. of crystallize over time. So. Yeah, I think we should have you back on, Bridget, and we should keep talking about this. I think we have at least a few things that came up today that we can dig back into at another time. But for today, thank you very much. Anything you want to shout out or uh, anything you want to say about PFL yeah. or? 
Oh, I was actually going to shout out these guys here. Um, you know, I know two of you. I just met one of you today. I've known Mike and Dustin for a couple of years now. Um, you know, we've collaborated together. We we work together on this category messaging for PFL. Um, I, the the perspective that that, that they bring um, that I don't have at all times. I mean, it's just been it's been like just an absolute pleasure to work with them. But I also have like very much appreciated just that outside perspective that they bring um, and to, you know, to help a business do something that's like pretty differentiated um, and big for a smaller business um, has been really empowering. So always a pleasure to, to work with the two of them. And they're also a ton of fun. Thanks awesome. Bridget. Yahoo. I, pr I promise we didn't pay her to say that. <laughs> I was going to say, and they did not ask me to say that. No, it's just, I mean, you need that when you're developing this, you need that collaboration and that synergy and you need, minds that look at things from different perspectives and can, you know, highlight uh, blind spots or show you something that you haven't seen before. So, you know, category creation is not just something that's like a workbook that you fill out and like you, you fill in the spaces and then, it, you know, it spits out a category at the end, like that collaborative, like innovative process that you go through is really important. And to be able to do it with the right people, I think just, you know, helps you get there quicker and better. So Nice. That's all I've got. Um, I love it. Well, thank you. This was a lot of fun. I'm Thanks, to Bridget. Get on a flight and probably talk to you again soon. Yeah. Good luck. Travel safe. Uh, Mike, Dustin, thank you for your brains. Bridget, obviously, thank you so much for your time. Uh, if you want to learn more about anything we've talked about today or anything that we do, it's hi at drmg.co if you want to get in touch. Otherwise, the website is drmg.co. Uh, we've got all the blogs, the pods and a little bit more info about what working uh, with us looks like in the way that we just talked about. So check out the website. Also, it's the SaaS Brand Strategy Show, available anywhere you get pods. Thanks for sharing the show with anyone who might get some value from it. And thanks for subscribing. Thanks for listening. And as always, we will see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Yes. Thanks, everyone.